You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Well, good morning, church. Happy Labor Day. It always uh, amazes me that people are actually here on Labor Day, <laughs> including me. No, um, it's always a good time to, to get together and worship. It feels like I haven't been here for years. Um, I've been uh, at, the fa- at the downtown campus mostly, and then I uh, had a Sunday off. When, um, thank you for your prayers. Um, as my brother passed away uh, unexpectedly, and we were in Phoenix for the funeral, which was just a fantastic celebration, not of my brother Scott, but of what God does um, in the life of someone uh, like Scott. So um, he's in heaven. He's having a great time. So um, yeah, I miss him, but uh, thanks again for your prayers. Um, before we get into the message, a couple other things. Uh, as we um, talk about our church and, and kind of the, the, the future and what's happening, um, we're in the process of calling a lot of people. We have a lot of staff openings at this point, and um, currently Pastor Steve Vera, uh, who would be our second pastor, is on campus uh, today, he's at our downtown campus for first service, and then he'll be coming out here for second service to kind of check things out. Many of you know him. He used to be on staff, man, 15 years ago, um, and so he is considering joining our team um, and being our pastor. So if you run into him or see him, um, make sure you say hi. Uh, secondly, uh, Nathan Spearbrecker, who uh, we had called for to be our director of Christian education, um, tearfully declined our call uh, to come on board. Very tearful. He, he's a, a wonderful man of, of just integrity and wants what's best for, for the kingdom and for um, his, uh, his family. And they have just really felt the call to, to go to the seminary to be a pastor. So really, that's cool. That's a, you know, it's, it, it's awesome. Um, so that for him actually won't happen until next year. So he, he's kind of hanging out for, for a year or so until next year happens, and then he'll, he'll head off. So our call team is getting back together this week and kind of figuring out what the next steps are and where God's leading us. Um, but uh, we're just convinced God's in control. I mean, this isn't, this isn't my church. It's not your church. This is God's church. Um, so we have total faith that he's going to lead us and, and bring us to the next thing uh, and the next person. So... Um, well, we are talking today, uh, we've been in a series, well, that's not really a series. In the month of August, if you're new, the month of August, we, we have, it's not a series, but we call it Summer at Trinity, and basically it's standalone messages based on our denomination's um, lectionary. There's, there's certain verses that are parsed out for the whole year, and so we kind of take those verses uh, and we, we speak on individual topics um, each Sunday, not connected together. So today we uh, are talking about um, what Scott talked about uh, in terms of, of miracles, um, but I don't know about you, as I've been watching this whole Hurricane Harvey thing, did anybody know there was a hurricane that happened? <laughs> yeah, uh, Hurricane Harvey happened. It hit south of where I used to live. Um, I used to live in Houston. In fact, my family is still there. My parents are still there. My sister is there. Um, my, family's ha- uh, my, my parents are okay. They're dry. They got water in the streets and everything, but they're, they were spared. Um, my sister, they don't know yet because they haven't been allowed into their neighborhood. Potentially, their house could be flooded and have lost everything. He's a pastor of a church down there. Next week, we're going to be doing a, sec, a, a special offering. We're partnering with St. Mark Lutheran Church in Houston, uh, and they have a large school like we do. Their, their church looks similar to us other than two campuses. 
So we're going to partner with their church and, and um, financially take, uh, take an offering next week so we can help them out. Um, but when I was living in Houston, I lived through Hurricane Ike. Now, if you've ever, anybody ever been through a hurricane? Oh, you have, awesome. Not up here, right? No, okay. <laughs> um, so a hurricane is an amazing, weird thing. Because you get prepared for it. We were asked to evacuate our, our area, our neighborhood, for Hurricane Ike. Um, and uh, it wasn't a, a required evacuation. So I ended up staying with my dog. And I evacuated Kelly and the kids um, <laughs> out of town. Uh, because, frankly, I was just curious. I just wanted to live through a hurricane. I wanted to see what this was about. And my neighbor across the street, who was an older guy, he'd been there for 30 years, multiple hurricanes... He just put his car in the driveway, in the garage, and closed the door. And I was like, if he's staying, I'm staying. So I don't do this at home, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm there with my dog, Jack, and, and we're, we're, you know, the, the winds pick up, the rains pick up, and it just felt like a big storm. And then in the middle of the night, the eye comes over, which is the creepiest thing in the world, because there's no birds, it, it kind of lightens up. There's no wind, it's dead calm, the air is weird, it's heavy. And all the neighbors come out, and we're all looking up, and sure enough, you can kind of see clear sky. And then almost immediately, once that eye passes, it's called the dirty side of the storm. That's where all the damage happens. That's when those winds whip around, and the rains really come, and where all the damage happens to the houses and, and everything. And I remember when that started up, everybody just, we just, you know, from our neighborhood, went back into our houses, and the wind made this made the house just literally swell back and forth we had windows open but swell back and forth and the sound of that wind was so loud inside the house i couldn't hear anything it, and it wasn't like everyone says it's like a freight train no it's like a a freight train and you have your ear on the rail as it's going right by your head an inch away. It is so loud you can't hear anything. It blocks out even your thinking. It was really, really, really scary. So that's what sound can do. Loud, loud sound can deafen you to hear everything else. So that's one extreme. We're going to be talking a little bit about sound today. That's one extreme when it comes to sound. The other extreme is not being able to hear at all because there's no sound. For whatever ha- reason, there's, there's no receptors. Um, you don't have the ability to hear. And, and I know most of us have never experienced a world of total silence for a long period of time. Um, due to modern technologies, people nowadays who are considered deaf um, can hear. They can, there are technologies that, that allow people to um, cochlear implants to receive the vibrations of sound and translate that into sound so the brain can, can actually hear. Um, and I think you've, many of you have seen on YouTube the story of Sarah Sherman's um, life when she first heard. So I want to play that Kleenex warning. Ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so close. <laughs> Right over it. Yeah. There you go. It's 
So now technically your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, it's exciting! Here, you can put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. What does it sound like? <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you hear your voice? Does your voice sound pretty loud? Um, no, not really. What's going on? <laughs> My laughter sounds loud. Yeah, you'll get used to all of that over time. I know it's always good to cry in church, isn't it? <laughs> An amazing, and I love this video because, you know, it's really uh, a real-life picture of what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was teaching. It's a real, that, that was, that, that's kind of the same effect I can picture uh, in the, the verses that we're going to take a look at um, 2,000 years ago, and Jesus did the same thing by healing someone, but he didn't have the technology to go with it. He didn't have the, the metals and the connectors and the electricity. He did it on his own, and not just with assistance, created an assistance thing. He actually cured a person. So um, Mark 7, verses 31 to 37, that we're going to be taking a look at, um, he doesn't capture the emotion of the person experiencing the miracle, but he does capture the emotion of the people watching the miracle. So if you want to follow along, it's on the screen, or you can look in your, on your uh, iPhone or, or um, on your Bible, in your Bible. So Mark 7, uh, starting at verse 31, says this, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon. That's kind of on the Mediterranean Sea, north of the Sea of Galilee. He went down to the Sea of Galilee um, and into the region of the Decapolis. The Decapolis were ten cities, the Roman cities, that kind of formed a city-state. It, was, it wasn't a political connection, but they were kind of considered uh, an area um, that, was, that was powerful and kept together. So he's in this area, and there were some people there that brought to him a man who was deaf and can, can hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on them. They begged Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been in prayer for somebody, and it turned into begging that you're just pleading at the throne of heaven. Maybe it's a son who's wandered away. Maybe it's a, a health issue. And you're just begging Jesus. You're storming the gates of heaven. That's what they did here. Their love for their friend was amazing. So they begged Jesus to place their hands on him. After, so after Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, and that's important, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephetha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Now picture that video again of Sarah sitting there and hearing for the first time. Now imagine this man hearing for the first time. Can you imagine his excitement? Just the power in that? I mean, spending your life like, like this man um, or Sarah, deaf, barely hearing, and then being able to hear the birds, the simple things like the trees, the water, 
voices. I heard Sarah do an interview after this, and uh, she, the, the interviewer asked, what is it that you were surprised that you heard? And he said, and she said, my husband's snoring. I didn't know he did that. <laughs> and the interviewer said, well, are you getting used to it? And she goes, no, I have an on-off switch. So, <laughs> ladies, yeah. <laughs> it's like, where can I get one of those? Um, but, but imagine that, that excitement. I don't know if you've ever had LASIK surgery. I had LASIK surgery a long time ago. And, and after that surgery, to be able to clearly see every individual leaf on a tree that used to be just a blur, it's breathtaking. It's amazing what you see with clarity and brilliance and beauty. I mean, if you were this man where there was no technology, things like this didn't happen on a daily basis, what would that do with your, to your faith in this itinerant preacher who was coming along in the area? I mean, it would just, he would just explode with excitement. Well, but it wasn't just this guy. It was the people that were watching. Here's the emotion uh, around all this. The people were, what? Overwhelmed and ama- with amazement. And they said, he has done everything well. Which is actually a reference to Genesis 1, right? After everything was created, God looked at it and said, this is good. He's done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Imagine your best friend miraculously healed by someone. Imagine in the midst of hundreds of people, he pulled your friend aside and healed them on the spot. I mean, you'd feel the same way as this, right? You'd feel overwhelmed. You'd be amazed. I mean, obviously, in this story, the healing is the key thing. That's what brought people to Jesus. People came to Jesus for all kinds of different reasons. It wasn't just because they thought they had a spiritual need. They came because he could change their life. They could transform their life. So obviously, for most people, that healing was amazing. But behind all of this, and this is what's important for us to understand, Behind all of this story, the real purpose and the real message of anything Jesus did was that Jesus loves and cares for people. He loves and cares for all people. Whenever he got into arguments with the Pharisees, you know, it wasn't about the argument and being right and and arguing like that. Jesus' ultimate purpose was to correct them and bring them back to God in the right way, bring them to him in the correct way, into a relationship with him. That's the kind of Jesus that you and I serve. A Jesus that cares. He's concerned about this one man just as he's concerned about you and me. I mean, there isn't a mo- think about this. There's not a moment in your life that Jesus is not concerned about. Every single moment of your life Jesus cares about you and what happens to you, and the reactions you have to the moments in your life. There's not a decision or a struggle or a hurt that escapes Jesus' love and compassion and healing. But we have a problem. You and I have a problem. Sometimes we go through life, we don't feel like Jesus cares, right? We don't, we don't feel that love and compassion. You don't feel his love and compassion and healing when you lose your job or when you go through health issues, or when a relationship starts to break down. You don't feel his love and compassion and healing when your plans don't work out the way they were supposed to because you were smart enough to plan and something happens in the midst of it. And oftentimes, and I see this with a lot of people, those of strong faith 
and those of faith that isn't as strong. We go to Jesus that first time and go, God, I just, this isn't, my life isn't working out. Fix this. Or oftentimes it's fix that person. Nothing happens. And you go to Jesus again and again and again. And oftentimes as life piles up and disappointment after disappointment happens, sometimes you tend to lose your trust in what he can do. Or you turn to him kind of as a last option on your list and your, your attention turns from trusting in the Lord with all your heart, it turns to leaning on your own understanding and, and we become distracted. Life gets busy, we let other things get in the way of us hearing him and allowing him to heal us and to open our ears to him. And listen, you, you know all of this. Who is it that knows everything about you, about your life? Who is the one person who knows everything about you? It isn't your spouse. It's not your child. It's not your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. It isn't your best friend. It's not your neighbor, your coworker. It isn't your therapist, your doctor, your bartender. And it isn't even you. There's only one person who knows everything about you. That's the Lord. That's Jesus. He's the only person that knows everything about your life. And he loves you. And we know he loves you because of the relationship that he started with you and the relationship that he desires to have with you. And it all starts with saving. It all starts with the very beginning where we were separated from him because of sin. This is what Romans says. Romans uh, 10, starting in verse 9, says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it was with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And then verse 13 says that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will what? Will be saved. Everyone, not just Christians in Hudson, Wisconsin. Everyone around the globe if the Holy Spirit changes their heart and they finally say, I understand the real Jesus, I understand what he did, they'll be saved. Verse 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And here's the beauty about this this verse and actually about kind of this whole section. First of all, obviously, this section and, and the whole healing that takes place spiritually Um, confession and declaring Jesus as Lord, it isn't conjured up by you. We don't just one day decide, I'm going to believe in Jesus. You don't just one day decide to love and follow him. In baptism and through hearing the word, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes your heart so that by faith you believe and you have a home in heaven. You're saved in that sense. And the word in the the original language, uh, in the original Greek, is saved spiritually. But the New Testament uses the same word to talk about healing Physically, relationally, God pulling people away and protecting them in different situations. The indirect application of this verse is you can be saved or healed and delivered, whatever you want to call it, even in difficult situations. So as Christ followers, we read this and go, yep, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But there's so much more to that because God gives you heaven 
in the future, but he gives you a life here now, and he's with you now. Will God heal all your relationships? Maybe. Will he find you that job? Will he get you what you want or fix that thing? He could. That's up to him. But if he knows you and if he desires good for you, you can place your trust in him and leave the results to him. Kind of like the friends did with the man in our gospel lesson. They said, Jesus, we are begging you to heal this man. What if Jesus didn't? What if Jesus didn't heal that person? There are accounts of that where he's like, nope, I'm, I'm too busy, you know, with the woman coming to that interesting conversation. There are accounts of Jesus going, yeah, not right now. Or where it doesn't work, he rubs mud, remember that, on the guy's eyes and didn't work. But what if Jesus didn't heal him? Would he be any less Jesus? Would he be any less God? No, he operates under his purposes, not yours and not mine. So here's what I want you to do with all this. Sometime this week, and maybe you do this already, sometimes, or sometime this week, get distraction free. Because I believe one of the biggest, if, one, if not one of the most powerful tools that that the enemy uses is busyness in our life, distractions to pull us away from God. So sometime this week, get distraction-free and ask God to ephetha your life. Ask God to open up your life. Whatever area of your life or someone else's life, ask God to open it up and maybe to, to heal it. Because remember, if God knows everything about you and as they say, they, he holds the manual on your life, why wouldn't you entrust your entire life to him, to his care? Why wouldn't you lean into God, even if it didn't seem to work in the past and maybe it's not working now? He still is God. God's desire for us is to be open and to be healed. He speaks healing and blessing over you. His desire for you is to have your whole life and your whole being understand and be open to who he is. And while right now it might be a struggle, tomorrow's a new day. And God is still God. And it is all good. Amen? Amen. Let's, stand to, let's stand to pray. Dear Jesus, sometimes, sometimes I think we read our, our Bibles too quickly, if we read them at all. I think we fly through some of these stories and just go, oh, I've read that before, or I, I just, you know, I know everything about that story or whatever it is, Father, but I thank you for this story of Jesus healing the man, and especially that little piece that maybe is new for many of us, that Jesus took the man away from distractions to heal him. Lord, may that be true in our life where we can find time to be distraction-free, to pull away, and just to be with you and ask for healing and strength and for power, because greater is he that is in us, you that are in us, than he that's in the world. And Father, I pray for those listening on the podcast and in this room who are struggling with their faith. Maybe there's, they're, uh, they've never really submitted or surrendered their life to you. I would just pray, God, that a simple prayer of, God, I'm just giving my life to you. Do with it what you may. I just pray that that kind of prayer can be said 
so that your Holy Spirit could come in and change that person's life. Father, we leave all things to you. We trust in you with all our hearts. We don't lean on our own understanding. We acknowledge that you are God and that we ask that you make our paths straight. FF us today, Father. Open us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of us said together, amen. Amen.